Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the 615 Sessions podcast presented by Two Rivers Ford. Hope everybody's having a great start to their Wednesday, or I guess they're halfway through their Wednesday at this point. Easy for me to say. It's another edition of the podcast. We got Rep Brian of Titans Radio, except he's in the wrong spot. So I'll flip him right quick. There he is, the man himself, Rhett B. At Rhett B. Tennessee is where you follow him. How are we living, bud? I'm good, man. Don't look anything like Buck Rising, so no mistake there. Uh, I hope to age as well as the great Rhett Brian. I, uh, it's, and you I, say that with all this spinach I got on my chin here? Yeah, but I think I think it's a good look, baby. Touch of gray, you know, a little silver fox. I like the look for you. Bro. <laughs> they say it's supposed to bring wisdom. I'm not really sure that applies to me, but I would yeah. say that you are filled with wisdom. Just the uh, the general the general uh, you know application of that wisdom is um, <laughs> the subject of another podcast in all likelihood. But in the meantime, yeah. we're here to talk. About the Titans, Jeff Simmons gave a press conference today. Rhett, uh, you and I were both at the radio station while that was happening. Um, but I guess your impression of what Jeff had to say and how meaningful it is for his family and he that he has uh, achieved this first short-term goal, which is creating generational money for himself and future generations of the Simmons family. I would describe it as sincere, contrite, honest, emotional, for sure. Um, I'm just so happy for him and his family. Uh, I mean, you heard him get emotional during the the press conference, and no surprise. I mean, listen, where he's from, there's nothing. I mean, he doesn't have anything. Didn't He, he never grew up with anything. So this is a landmark milestone moment for him in his life as an adult and one of the best at his position, one of the best players in the national football league. I mean, he's, this guy's going to make the top 100, you know, that they roll out every summer. Uh, we've seen it firsthand, but uh, you know, he referenced that first day that he had a press conference after he was drafted saying, Miss Amy, I'll never let you down. And he hasn't, and he won't. Uh, that's the kind of person he is. You and I've had enough interaction with him in the locker room and, and, and things to know what an awesome person he is. And I'll say this, and I tweeted about it last Friday when the news dropped and, and I retweeted again today. Someone asked him about his foundation that he started late during the football season called Give Him a Reason. And I was so pleased to see him do that. And he says, you know, he's done a lot of stuff back in his home in Mississippi, but wants to expand that to more here. And, and that's what I said. Friday when the news came out that he was going to be a Titan for a long time is that Titans fans won, the Titans won, Jeffrey Simmons and his family won, but the kids in Middle Tennessee and in Mississippi and wherever he does his foundational work are the real winners in this because he can make a huge difference in their lives. He's been there and done that. And I'm super proud of the person that he is and the young man he is in influencing young folks who don't have a lot. 
and uh, he's lived it. So that's what I'm so fired up about. And then the other part, you know, getting an awesome football player to terrorize people on that defense for the coming years is just an added bonus. Yeah, I mean, the football element of this, um, it, it gives them their best opportunity, I think, again, this coming season without knowing what the draft looks like. That defensive line in particular, with Jeff as the focal point, gives them the best opportunity to be special, I think, in some form or fashion. But I, I want to I go back to something that you touched on, Rhett, which is um, his comments uh, thanking everybody, thanking his family, his mother who raised five children, the Titans organization, but specifically Amy Adams Strunk. Because, I, you know, it's not like I'd forgotten what the atmosphere was around Jeff at the time. The ACL tear was probably the biggest reason why we saw his draft stock fall, because if, uh, if people recall, that was February ahead of that year's NFL draft, unfortunate during a workout for him. But that press conference that they gave immediately after they drafted him, because they were aware of what a, uh, what a lightning rod situation this could potentially become if, one, they were not totally secure in the player that they just drafted from a character standpoint based on that video that had uh, that had obviously made the rounds that ESPN very very much harped on during the draft process of him in high school um, in an altercation uh, defending his mother and sister but obviously with the involvement of other women the optics were horrendous at the time and then going through his college career and then having to get in front of this thing with Amy Adams drunk John Robinson at the time Mike Vrabel and Jeff the day after the draft with all of us sitting there taking our questions and explaining to us, out of necessity, the process that they went through to ensure that this was somebody who was not going to let them down. Um, and Jeff has very much, it seems, held up that end of the bargain for the Titans. Well, and what we've learned from that in the time since is that it was an isolated incident. You know, he didn't have another... Uh, issue. I mean, that happened in high school. Nothing happened at Mississippi State, right? And nothing has happened in uh, you know four years as a Titan. So, I think he's got a good track record of he's not going to mess up. I mean, he's. I just you know yes, crazy things happen, um, but I think he's a guy smart enough to make smart decisions uh, with the company he keeps, the time he's out, what he does, the whole kinds of things that are so many pitfalls for how many people have we seen over the years? So. I'm just, I'm tickled for him. Uh, I'm tickled for Titans fans. But again, uh, the kids, man, they're the winners in this because they're going to reap the benefits of getting some things and resources available to them uh, that they would maybe not have had, had uh, Jeff been somewhere else. Yeah. We're, uh, you'll hear from Jeff Simmons here in just a second. Rep Brian, executive producer of Titans Radio, uh, one of the uh, many hosts of the official Titans podcast, the OTP download rate and follow wherever you get your podcast. Right after I remind you that this podcast is made possible by the great folks at Two Rivers Ford. It is a name that you know, a brand that you can trust because they've been doing business here in Middle Tennessee for over 40 years. Two Rivers Ford always gives you the honest answers, zero pressure in the car buying process, and the best price possible. There's a reason Two Rivers has been the trusted locally owned dealership for 40 years, like I said. Two Rivers Ford, powered by Ford, driven by people. So Jeff Simmons gave the press conference today, Rhett, and just for the audience watching with us and uh, who will hear this podcast after the fact, I wanted them to see uh, just how much this meant to Jeff in real time because I forgot 
how emotional he had gotten on draft night until they put out the video kind of rehashing everything that had taken Jeff to this point after the contract, the deal was agreed to in principle, but obviously Jeff in front of uh, the assembled Titans media today, his friends, his family, his agents, and some of his teammates, um, really, really, it seems like it hit him hard again. Like I said, again, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Um, you know, and it's just not for me. Um, you, the guys, you guys, the reason why I wake up each and every day wanting to be the best I can be each and every day. Um, you know, my mom, uh, single parent. So, you know, just to see how much we have came from, um, see the journey we've been on as a family, um, it's crazy. You know, um, Thing, man, just from house to house, apartment to apartment, sharing the bed with my brother. Man, we good. We, you know, it's just not, you know, my kids' kids, you know, this generation wealth, as we call it, like, that's why I do it for, man. Every day I wake up, I just think about them hard times where. I know my mom didn't feel like it. And for some time, I could be like, I don't, I'm hurting. But I think about my mom having raised five kids on her own. And for me to say, I don't want to do this, you know, that's my motivation, my family. So, sorry about that. But man, this, this is, I'm grateful. So, Rhett, just I think it's easy to get lost in the transactional nature of just seeing a tweet about a, an NFL athlete's contract and, you know, obviously being excited for the football season to come. And we, we, you know, we gravitate, I think, so much towards those transactions. But then you forget all the work or maybe you put in the back of your mind all the work that an individual whose circumstances so many of us fortunately do not understand because of the life that he had to live and had to come out of to be able to make it just the sigh of relief in uh, when he's saying we're good from a financial standpoint, like my family is good. And like the physical, like you can almost see a weight being lifted off his giant big Jeff shoulders in that moment, because yeah, they're good. They made it. And it's because of the work that he's put in. And I think that in rewarding a player and they've done this several times, Bayard, Landry, Lawan, like this, this is not a, a one player sample size for Jeff but you can tell this place means a great deal to him and that he is going to continue to reward the people who made sure to invest and continue to support him 100% um and the other part you heard who he's doing this for that's another reason why the track record he's had since that incident in high school is zero and I think it stays that way he's got his head on right and uh his priorities straight he's got people depending on him and, you know, football happens to be the job. But, yeah, um, he's – I can't wait to see, you know, what he does now with this new sense of wealth, literally, and, and now a healthy ankle because that's the other thing I got from this press conference, and I know you had it on the air live, um, is that he had the, the ankle cleaned up 
And, uh, you know, that was the more trying thing to him than worried about a, a contract extension was trying to get through the season. And how he tried to power through that at probably 60, 70%, I'm guessing, yeah. of his 100% physical nature, it was impressive to see. And, and, you know, when you hear Rand Carthon and Mike Brabel speak about him, he's the essence of their definition of a Titan. They said as much today at the podium. Uh, speaking of Rand, Rhett, now not to, you know, go from the human elements to the football, but obviously that's just the time of year that we're in. You're in the Titans radio studio right now. You're grinding it out ahead of Titans radio's coverage of the first and second nights of this upcoming NFL draft in 15 days from mm-hmm. now as we uh, do this podcast. Um, the priority is so the checklists, right? Rand Carthon, in his tenure so far, call it three months as Titans GM, a little less. Jeff was a massive one. The free agency period addressing their needs, particularly on the offensive line, the way that they have done and filling in some spots of need on defense, the obvious cuts that they needed to make. Now with the draft ahead, what position becomes the priority for this organization kind of seeing all the different ways that they're going to have to address this stuff. I still think an offensive lineman or two is, is in order. Uh, I think, you know, possibly another offensive tackle. I don't know about at 11 at the 11th pick. Um, but, you know, I think what comes to front and center a little more is wide receiver. Uh, we have seen Traylon Burke struggle last year and, and part staying healthy although the young man worked his rear end off to get back, and I, I expect him to make a big jump in year two. Nick Westbrook-Akine, you thought, was a natural to be uh, brought back because he knows the stuff, and he's been very productive. Um, you know, Robert Woods is jettisoned from the roster after a one-year deal, and so, you know, when you start thinking about Racy McMath, who battled injury, and, you know, it knocked him out of things pretty early on, uh, and I believe he had a pretty significant uh, surgery involving his hip. Uh, but he's back and, you know, played a little at the end of the year. But, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of experience there and production there uh, because there's not a whole lot of veterans on there. But I, I think wide receiver becomes a, a thing. I still look for them to add someone to go with Chiga Conklo at tight end as well. Um, and I'm not fully convinced that they don't take a linebacker somewhere along the way um, to help the middle part of that defense. Yeah, I mean, they've they've added right now, as far as offensive skill position players are concerned, Trayvon Wesco, the tight end, um, who is their Jeff Swain replacement, mm-hmm. it would seem at this stage. Uh, veteran tight end, inline blocker, um, has shown a little more athletic ability, I think, in, in his career and is a younger um, option for them at the position. Cost-effective as well, but should not, as you mentioned, preclude them from taking the tight end in this year's draft. The problem is six picks, right? There's only so many ways that they can go about this and, and the offense needing the most legwork right now, we know to be the case. Now, we it was also reported this morning by, I believe, Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network that they were hosting Chris Moore, uh, a veteran wide receiver, um, somebody who doesn't have eye-popping numbers, played on a bad Texans team last year, had a considerable amount of his catches go for first downs, which they're certainly looking for players who are productive in those spots, given that they led the league in three and outs last year, among a couple of other nasty offensive categories. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, it, we'll see what happens, what comes of that. He may be signed by the time people hear this podcast. He may not be, wh- whatever yeah. the case may be. And we know that they brought back 
NWI on a one-year deal. Um, but I think that's just kind of the the classification of at least free agent wide receivers that they should be sniffing around, Rhett. The cap relief that Jeff Simmons' extension provides, minimal but important for a team already so close to the cap um, and probably needing to give themselves potentially a little more wiggle room. We still haven't had a resolution on the Kevin Byard pay cut situation yeah. for yeah. those monitoring at home. Um, but I think all of those things make sense wide receiver in particular, the draft, given what they already have on the roster and what they kind of need right now, which is just better depth at the back end of that wide receiver group. They do. And again, you know, we mentioned a handful. And then, of course, Kyle Phillips comes back, the fifth year, uh, fifth round pick from UCLA last year, who battled, tried to battle through a myriad of injuries and just couldn't do it. They just had to shut it down. Um, and the thing about, I'm glad you brought this up because Yes, it does provide some relief a little bit with the, the Jeffrey Simmons deal. This thing isn't over. They need yeah. operational money through the year. They need money to sign the draft class. And you're right, the Kevin Byard situation, just because, hey, Kevin, we need you to take a pay cut. And he says, no, that doesn't mean, hey, we're so good, right? That's not how that works. Um, so I don't know if it's that or something else or a couple of moves. But yeah, there's other things that will happen uh, because if they stay – and pick at 11, just that pick alone is almost $4 million of the rookie pool. And so if you do that and you keep the other five picks and they say they pick just as they are, no trades, you're talking about $6.8 million, I think, uh, to, to sign the rookie class. So the money has to come from somewhere. And I think that's a good thing the way you framed it that way to kind of preface it that way because that is something that's going to have to be addressed. Um, this wide receiving class uh, in 2023 – You'll hear some people say they're not crazy about it at all. You'll hear some coaches say, you know, and, and clearly there's not like a handful of top tier guys like there have been in years past. We've been spoiled. But the way seven on seven football has been in the last few years, yeah. man, it's, it's a skill position gold mine every April. And it doesn't seem to be quite that. But obviously, that's unfair to grade or say anything of that nature because we, you know, grading drafts immediately after they're over is a moot point to me because you need a couple of years of production just to see what's what. Um, and, and obviously some guys wash out quicker than others, but you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba to me is the top receiver in this draft for a couple of reasons. He isn't quite that Titans prototypical thing in terms of, you know, the six, three, six, four guy, like some of the guys we've mentioned, but he is, he's six feet, 195, um, you know, had good showing at the combine, really good three cone drill time, really good short shuttle time uh, in way sub numbers of where you need them to be, which shows his short area quickness and change of directions, which tells you he's a really good route runner. And what's the one thing Mike Vrabel's always told us? I need him to catch the ball. I need him to catch it where he's supposed to and and finish the route and, you know, and so he's able to do that. He can create separation. He can snap the route off good and, uh, you know, make something out of it. Now, injury was the question in 2022 for him. He played in four games, three games, had four receptions, I think. But if you look at his body of work in 2021, he's got 550-some-odd yards more than – and 600-some-odd yards more than Garrett Wilson – and Chris Olave, who both had 2,000-yard rookie receiving seasons in the NFL. That tells me a little something. 1,606 yards uh, receiving in 2021. 
and you know claims he's healthy now and clearly i mean you haven't heard anything about you know something that's cropped up as the medical tests they've been able to go through with combine and all that kind of stuff um and, you know there's quentin johnston from tcu is a big rangy receiver but there's a question about his combat skills because mm-hmm. i mean I, you know I, I said it to you that week i was on your show in, in uh indianapolis at the combine you know I think Max Duggan had 39 touchdowns as they went through the national championship run. He only caught six of them. And I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's got an 81-inch wingspan. He's 6'3", 208, and can jump out of a building. What is the problem? And I don't think that's the end of his story. I think there's some things you can coach there and fix. But I think that's why why he's probably not mentioned first. And I think Jackson Smith and Jigba after the combine and the likes and the pro day probably has put himself in that spot. But there is huge value throughout the middle rounds of this mm-hmm. draft, whatever, whoever you want. I mean, there's some really nice names. Um, and I've even been looking at some day three and undrafted free agents that I think can make some interesting topics, not just for the Titans, but for all the other 31 teams involved. Sure. Um, but yeah, the, it, it's just not loaded with, I, there's still going to be four or five receivers taken in the first round uh, because somebody's always looking for a good one. Is there that, you know, Calvin Johnson, Megatron stud? Probably not, but there's really good value there. Yeah, and the positional runs will dictate how early that starts, right? Yep. Um, because we're talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba, potentially 11 there. You've seen a lot of those projections, mm-hmm. and it all very much depends on how these quarterbacks fall, Rhett, which is uh, what I'd like to wrap up with here. Yep. I mean, I, the beyond, like, the discussion we've heard around – the Titans trading up. You've seen Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft, I'm sure. He has them swapping mm-hmm. with the Arizona Cardinals and taking Anthony Richardson with that selection. But I, I'm most – I think the player we ha- – you and I put in particular, I don't think we've talked very much about Hendon Hooker or at least in, in an on-air capacity about Hendon Hooker. And I, I wonder how you view him as a prospect. The ACL, you can't remove it from the equation. Mm-hmm. It's going to impact his draft status – no matter what. But if if we're talking about the productivity, understanding the offensive system that he comes from, but with all the kind of like, can he play sooner rather than later type of traits that you're looking for, is he so much more of a risk than Anthony Richardson or Will Levis that he should be regarded as a worse prospect? Because that I think has been the biggest hang up in the discussion for him uh, or around him for me at this point sure. well obviously the acl as you point out that that knocks him you know just outside of that top four because yeah. uh, i'm convinced if he doesn't have that acl injury in november we're talking about him amongst that four i really believe that uh first of all played in two different offenses in college mm-hmm. one that was not as much like the josh heifel high-powered 83,000 plays in a game <laughs> play every 2.7 seconds or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he said it best, I think right after the senior bowl, he's like, is, is it my fault? My receivers were wide open that, you know, uh, you know, but what you're getting, and I saw this that week at the senior bowl in, in Mobile, Alabama, you know, Jim Nagy did him a favor by offering a one-off and saying, Hey, come down here, get yourself in front of these teams. They don't do that. And you know what? He made the most of it. I saw how he carried himself. I saw how he was a teammate, even though he was not involved in those practices and the games. I saw how he inter- interacted with fans. There's a 25-year-old grown man who can command a huddle, 
And, and in terms of the player, I got, I got to have a whole lot of doubts there. I've seen yeah. him do it. And um, he certainly is someone who can take tutelage. You know, is he, is the most perfect prospect? No, none of these guys are. They're, they're all going to have to have some work, even, you know, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young in this. But um, there are a lot of people think he should be the third quarterback considered behind those two before Anthony Richardson and Will Levis because of some of the things you brought up about, I mean, Anthony Richardson's 20 years old. Now, the athletic prowess, the explosion, it's easy to see why you get excited about him. Now, what you're trying to find out is Anthony Richardson, is he more of the quarterback we saw against Utah in that game, or is he closer right now to what he did against Missouri and Vanderbilt, who did not have great years in the SEC? Uh, he had a great showing, I thought, against the the Volunteers uh, against Tennessee yeah. in that game. So I think that's what people are trying to figure out. And, and Will Levis, I think, by different circumstances, they're trying to figure out with him. Okay, he wasn't behind as good a team in 2022. His offensive coordinator went to the Rams. Now he's back there in Kentucky, and you know, so was it a product of maybe the offensive line wasn't as good, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I think the big thing that is concerning for me on the Will Levis part is that is the turnovers. He had 29 fumbles in college and the interceptions that he had. You know, I I have haunting thoughts that, you know, is he the next Josh Allen because he's a big thrower or is he the next Carson Wentz or is he somewhere in between? That's something that only time will tell. Um, and, And look, as far as this draft coming up in a couple of weeks, with the Titans, I still think there are so many things on the table. Jeffrey Simmons is now done. You said that's right. Uh, that's a checklist done. But they still don't have money in the right places. I, I can see three different scenarios. One where they trade up and get a quarterback of one of the ones we've been talking about. You, another where they stay and pick at 11 and maybe take a tackle, maybe take a receiver. I can even see a scenario where they trade back and get a, a way off the radar pick in – be John Robinson and end up trading Derrick Henry. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, when we're talking about talent in this draft, there's three or four names you throw out immediately. Bryce Young is one of them. Will Anderson, the the pass rusher from Alabama, is another. B. John Robinson, did you see that guy in college? Oh 2,3 yards after contact. The guy has a way of sinking his body weight and pivoting his body weight. To elude a tackler, it's a, it's it's you got it down to an art form. Two hundred and fourteen forced missed tackles in three years at Texas. One hundred and four of them last year. Oh, and by the way, he's pretty good out of the backfield too. Seventy-seven catches, four drops. He's a three-down back. He's what everyone in the NFL is starting to look for now, with the way the offenses are going and you know are generated. It's still a quarterback league. And listen, I'm not saying Derrick Henry's going to get traded. I'm not saying he's going to get cut. He's not going to get cut. They would trade him before anything because right. he still has massive value. But there are times when you wish he could be out there in critical third down situations. And that's no fault of his own. He's never been that guy. And he has worked his rear end off every offseason to become a better receiver. I've got nothing. To, I love Derrick Henry. He's a stud. But sometimes the page gets turned and this is the time of the year where that usually happens. 
I mean, in any other year, Rhett, B. John Robinson's a top five, or not in any other year, but it, like just going back to like Saquon Barkley's draft, right? If we were talking, if we were looking at B. John Robinson in that kind of era of NFL football, B. John Robinson, a top five pick. And now we're talking about he's a, but he's a running back. And now it's the discussion as to, okay, well, where can you get him that it makes the most value, even as he's probably one of the top five, as you mentioned, talented players, top three talented players in this draft class. Well, let's let's take it a, a hypothetical here because this is the season of mock drafts and lives, right? Naturally. So if Philadelphia doesn't take him at 10 and you're sitting at 11, and let's say that's your target, you can trade back. Mm-hmm. He won't, he won't, if he doesn't go at 10, he'll fall a little bit because of what you just said. I think the place where you wouldn't want him to fall any further, though, is to 18. Who has 18? The Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions just traded away Jeffrey Okuda. I think that first pick of theirs at six is probably one of the top cornerbacks in this draft, whether it's Devon Witherspoon uh, from Illinois or it's Emmanuel Forbes or it's uh, Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr. That second pick, though, at 18? The Detroit Lions were this close to the playoffs. Yeah. And the one thing that they've been looking for since the man retired after the 1999 season is a bad, you know what, running back named Barry Sanders, who has a gold jacket. They've tried and tried and tried. They've had some decent backs over the years. They've never had one like B. John Robinson. So if that's the thing and you want him, you better pick him before 18 because I, I can almost swear that's where he ends up in this draft if he isn't picked at 10 overall by the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the same way a couple of years ago. Najee Harris at 24. I'm like, that's mm. a Pittsburgh Steeler if I've ever seen one. Man, it and makes surprise. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Sometimes don't overthink it. Keep it simple, stupid. You, you, they, they're, they're giving yeah. you all the signs. And yeah. even as it, even as Rand Carthon is a new, you know, this is a new administration and we'll see how the front office changes probably in the days or weeks after the draft. I think that uh, I think that you can't ignore where he comes from and that a, a running back of that kind of capability that doesn't have to come off the field. I think he certainly makes a lot of sense. Who always makes sense is Rep Ryan of Titans Radio, the official Titans podcast. Um, they are cranking out all kinds of great content, especially if uh, you're, you're interested in learning more about these prospects, TennesseeTitans.com. Did a bunch of great stand-ups and interviews with prospects at the Senior Bowl, at the Combine, and all throughout the course of the last couple months. Buddy, it's always good to chat and talk shop. I appreciate you taking some time. Buck, thank you for having me on the 615, and I'm glad it's brought to you. 